We're in part two of our series called Love, Give, Grow, and I just, maybe you saw it when you walked into the Welcome Center, um, we sort of have our main motto for this series of Love, Give, Grow taped up on our bulkhead, and um, I'm just, again, I, I just want us to get this phrase in our head, so this is your participatory moment with your pastor, otherwise you can just sit and listen and not say anything, but this is the time you have to talk. So um, again, if you're watching, as you watch this um, at the Brentwood campus, I want to say hello to you as well. Um, let's all say this together. Um, the big phrase for our love, give, grow is this. You cannot love without giving, and without giving, you cannot grow. So here, here we go. Let's do it. You cannot love without giving, and without giving, you cannot grow. I can't hear you, Brentwood Campus. Say this one more time. You cannot love without giving, and without giving, you cannot grow. Yep, that was great. Um, now, now, that is, that really is, I, I can't underline it enough as your pastor, that is a profound idea that needs to shape your life. Because if you're really going to love, you have to give. And as you continue to learn how to give, it will change you. You will be transformed by it. It's the way of Jesus. So in this series, we, we, we last week, we looked at this big idea in, the, in part one of this series. We looked at this whole idea about, about with giving, there is pain before there's joy. In fact, our idea last week was um, generous love hurts, but in the end, it leads to joy. And we looked at the whole idea of mothering and how there's pain and then there's joy, right? But we also looked at how that affects so many other parts of our life. So, but we really want to make this connection that if you're going to give, real giving does hurt, but it does lead to joy. Well, this week, now, as we move on this series, I, I want to look at this other idea about what is your next step in generosity? What should guide you in being generous? How do you, how do you kind of frame all this? How do you decide to be generous? What, what should shape your, your, your thinking? Well, as we think about taking that next step in generosity, there's a very interesting little clip from, we, we came across about uh, Stephen Colbert. Um, he's a comedian. Um, and uh, does a lot of social commentary on the United States government and all that. But he's, he, there's an interview here with Oprah, and he just makes a very interesting comment about tipping because he was a waiter before he became famous. And I just want it's a very short clip, so pay attention and listen to what he says. We're talking about when you used to be a waiter. Yes, I was a waiter. Thankless job, isn't it? Being a waiter is extremely, everybody should do it just to know yeah. what it's like. To serve someone else, yes, and and to, to not be... be able to answer in kind when someone is unkind to you, yes, to have to say, "All right, well, I'll go do that then." Yes. Whatever it is. Were there many unkindnesses shown oh, towards you? Oh, uh, yeah. Because people think if they're paying, they have the right to be that sometimes. Exactly. I think it's so rude, though. That's the epitome of rudeness. Right. And listen, just give them an extra dollar. Whatever you're gonna give them, just give them one more dollar. <laughs> It'll make them so happy. Just it's one nothing more to you. One dollar, what's that to you? Yes. But it will make their day that you didn't come in just under the wire at 15% or okay, something. Okay, okay. Now, did you catch that observation by Steve Colbert? He, he says, you can give right according to what's expected, 15%, or apparently now I guess it's 18%. So you can flip out your iPhone or your Samsung and go... 
you know, and give your exact amount, or he says, or you can just look at that amount and then say, I'm going to give $1 more and actually shock the waiter or waitress and fill, and fill their day. $1 more, he says, just, just $1 more. Um, actually, um, we have that clip on our YouVersion app as you're following, if you want to follow the outline uh, through um, your smart device, uh, you can watch that app later and show it to someone or that interview from that app. Um, now, this clip from Colbert interview teaches us something about the generous life, I believe. You can follow the rules or you can take that next step in the, in the generous life. You can live by the principle of $1 more. I'm not just going to do what's expected. I'm not just going to do what's required. I'm going to do $1 more. I mean, Colbert is touching upon the flow of real generosity. There is an ever-expanding outward nature to generous love. Generous love spins outward and upward. There's a, a centrifugal force, so to speak. It just keeps spinning out and out and out and out. You know, that type of generosity impacts people, whether we're talking about a waiter or waitress or anyone else. You know, that $1 more phrase, though, reminds me of actually Jesus' teaching in a message he gave on a hillside in Capernaum. Um, for those of you who are Bible students, we call that the Sermon on the Mount. But it was just on a hillside in Capernaum where he preached to crowds. And, and that sermon is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in this uh, sermon, Jesus covered a wide range of teaching on different topics in which he was telling people what God was really looking for in our lives and in our hearts. Now, one statement Jesus gives um, in this message really relates to generosity. And it has that same idea of $1 more. It's in Matthew 5, verses 40 to 42. And, he, and this is what Jesus says. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, in an older translation, that's from the New Living Translation, but in an older translation, the RSV, the phrase that catches me in these words of Jesus is this, um, give your cloak as well. Th that should be your attitude of generosity. Don't just say, well, I, I know I'm expected to give my shirt because that's what I was sued for in court. So, so there's my shirt. That's what's required. Eh? No, I'm going to give you my cloak as well. It, it was required under the Roman law that if a Roman soldier said, said, you need to help me, it was required that you walk one mile. Jesus says, no, 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 walk a second mile. Give your cloak as well. Give your cloak as well. You know, when we think about what it means to be generous, I, I think that should be our framework. Give your cloak as well. When you encounter injustice and a lack of compassion, Jesus says, give your cloak as well. When you are tempted to only do what is required, what the law requires, Jesus says, give your cloak as well. When people demand justice and what's fair, Jesus says, don't worry about doing what's fair, give your cloak as well. What a model. Maybe that'd be a cool thing to put on our tombstones. David gave his cloak as well. You know, I mean, you know, maybe, not, I don't want to be morbid, but that'd be kind of a cool thing to have in your tombstone. He gave his cloak as well. I mean, I mean, think about what Jesus is saying here. Can't you feel that outward pulsation of generous love here? 
That, that is the one dollar more attitude. See, I, think, I don't think Steve Colbert would have told Jesus to have to give one dollar more in the tip. I think he would have been above and beyond his 15% in tipping. You know, when we think about giving, I think that the temptation is there's the rule way versus the gospel way of giving. Um, when you and I start to really review and say, what does it mean to be generous? How do we live a generous life? Um, please understand there are two paths in how you can be generous. There's, first of all, the rule way of giving. And by that, I simply mean this, and it's in the outline if you want to follow along. It's, it's things like this. It's, it's minimalistic. We are always asked the question, well, what is it that God expects me to give? Okay, I'll meet that. If I can get away with that, that's good. Um, um, it's an end point. So if we say, well, the way I understand the Bible, the Bible tells me that I need to tithe 10%. Once I get there, I'm done. It's all over. I've made it. And nobody should mess with me. I'll be deeply offended if anybody says, I don't give to this church or to church ministry or whatnot. I've hit it. See, the rule way of giving is about finding the end point. Um, it's moralistic. Uh, we feel we're good based on this practice. We feel good about ourselves. We're good people because, well, we're following the rules on giving. And we're also self-satisfied. We have a sense that we're doing our part, and if we're honest, we feel better than others who are not like us. Now, that's the rule way of giving. And then again, we go back to Jesus saying, and give your cloak as well. Don't just follow the rules. Really show a radical, generous love. And he says, and when I think about this other way, I call this the gospel way of giving. It, it's, it's open-ended. It's not, it's not closed-ended. It's open-ended. It, it, giving looks to grow in a variety of ways. And rather than looking at what the ending point is, you just simply say, well, what's my starting point? I mean, think about the tithe, for example. It was under the law that the tithe was established by God. Give 10% of what you've earned. Back to God's work, God's, God's temple, to God's people. Give that. Now think about this. Under the law, that's what was expected. What should we give under the gospel? Less or more? I mean, it's amazing how we sometimes justify giving less, even though under the law, God did this. Under the gospel, God gave his son. So, so, what, so really, the tithe is the starting point, not the, not the end point. And, and also, this gospel way of giving is grace-filled. My giving reflects my love for God and gratitude to how he's blessed me with salvation and life in Christ. You know, when I think about the rule way of giving and the gospel way of giving, I came across this quote, and I think it's great. L listen, it's by Mason Cooley. This is what he wrote. Charity does not like arithmetic. Selfishness worships it. Charity does not like arithmetic. Selfishness worships it. So now the question is this. When you start thinking about developing a generous life as a Christ follower, are you going to go the rule way or the gospel way? See, every time that we have an opportunity to be generous, we have to make that choice. The rule way says... All they can take is my shirt. The gospel way says, give your cloak as well. 
The challenge of the rule way is that we will often miss out on why we give because we only care about what we're giving. The rule way misses out on the intent of God's commands. Why do you think God says give 10%? Have you ever asked yourself that? Do you think some angels up in heaven kind of came up with that number and said, that's the best number we can come up with, God? You know, why don't you shoot that down to them? What's the reason for that type of giving? Why not five? Why not 14? We don't, you know, there is an intent there that I'll talk about in just a second. And when God says give, please understand, it's because we are created to be givers, not simply takers. So let me ask you this question. What is your next step in generosity? What's your next step in giving in your life? I want to get really practical here and talk about this from a monetary point of view. And you can say, well, Dave, doesn't God want us to give us our time? And doesn't want God give us of our talents and our resources and our abilities too? Doesn't that matter? Absolutely, it does. God wants us to give our whole life. But I'm absolutely convinced of this as a pastor now, that often money is such a critical expression of who we are. In fact, Jesus here in Matthew, this Sermon on the Mount, did say, you cannot serve God or money. He, he didn't talk about anything else. He just said, it's God or money, because money has this way of wrapping itself around our heart. And if we can get around this issue of being generous with our money, I often find people who are generous with their money, often, are now generous with their time, generous with their abilities and everything. Money is often a critical beginning point on really getting serious about the path of generosity, okay? So, so let's talk about um, what's this next step of giving in your life. Let me highlight a couple of passages here. Um, so if you, if you have a Bible, you can flip through it or just make note, note of these uh, passages. You know, it's interesting that Paul, in talking to the church in Corinth, when he came to the question about giving money, this is what he said in um, 1 Corinthians 16. He said, on the first day of each week, um, put aside a portion of money you've earned. On the first day of each week. So the first day of each week is, well, actually, this is the last day of the week, but it's Sunday, right? So, so on the first day of each week, put aside a portion of the money you've earned. So that's the first thing you need to ask about. Okay, if I'm going to take a step in generosity, I've, I've got to be thinking about it, and it needs to be consistent. It happens every week. The second thing that Paul then said, actually again to the Corinthian church in his second letter to them, is he said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So, so that sounds quite, quite open, doesn't it? You must each decide. Now, here's the question, though. How do you decide in your heart how much to give? Is it just based on, well, it's sunny today, so I guess I'll give some money. Oh, it's rainy today. I don't think I will. Oh, I'm feeling happy today. I guess I'll give some money. Oh, I spent all my money last night at the Star Trek movie. I don't have any money to give. No, you've got to have a framework here to think about. And here's where we get a framework. See, I believe when Paul was saying, you must decide in your heart how much to give, he was looking at the wider scope of Scripture at the time, which was primarily the Old Testament. It was the teachings of Moses and the prophets. And listen to what we hear here in the Old Testament writings about giving. First of all, Paul knew that the Old Testament taught about the tithe. Now, what's the tithe? Well, Malachi 3, 8 to 10. Listen to what it says. Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. 
But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. And then here's God's challenge at that time to the people of Israel. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So God calls upon his people to say, tithe. And tithe is very simple. If I earn $1,000 a week, 10% of 1,000 is, move this decimal, come on, someone do the math, $100. If I make $10,000 in a week, I give $1,000. If I make $100, I give $10. If I make $10, I give $1. Now, here's what's amazing. If if, and I want to say something to all the parents and grandparents. If you can start teaching your children when they're making $10 to give $1, if God blesses them someday to make $10,000, it'll be a whole lot easier for them to give 1000 Absolutely. Because if you, if you think, I'll be honest with you, if the first time they're thinking about tithing is when they're making $10,000, they're going, whoa, whoa, that's a flat screen TV. Okay. Now, notice this, that in the life of our church, I want to be very practical here, so there's a tithe. Give 10% of your earnings each year to the church. This is based on the idea that everything belongs to God so that you should give 10% to the work of God. And in, in, an our, in, in our giving um, metric here at the church, we have five ways you can give to the church. We have what's called the general fund. And then we have four other funds that you can give to. The general fund is where we would say that's where your tithe goes. The tithe goes to the general ministries of the church, 10%. Now, if we're again rooting it in Scripture, how, remember, Paul said, each of you must decide in your own heart how much to give. How do you decide? It's based on biblical knowledge, just your own personal opinion. So now we move to another passage of Scripture, and it says here in Acts 10.4, um, actually, this is where Cornelius is being visited by an angel. And, and the angel simply says to him at this moment, he says, and he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial to God before God. Or here in this passage, or this translation says, your prayers and gifts to the poor. So when you hear the word alms for the poor, it's, it just simply means gifts for the poor. So here's another way we're called to give. We're called to give alms or gifts to the poor. Well, how does that show itself up here in the life of the Journey Church? Well, we take up once a month the community care fund. And the community care fund is when we give alms to the poor. Or I would even suggest to you, when you sponsor a child, you are giving an alms sponsorship to the poor. You're helping a poor child somewhere in the world. So that's another way that the Bible teaches about how you decide to give. You give your tithe, now you give alms or Gifts to the poor. But there's a third way the Bible talks about giving. And, and, and it's called offerings. And in Exodus 35, it says this. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Now catch this phrase. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze. When you read through the Old Testament, you can see that God gave the, the nation Israel many opportunities to give a whole bunch of different offerings. Grain offerings, burnt offerings, all the time. And the goal here in these offerings was people with a generous heart to be able to do something, that next step of giving. Now, in our context, what are those offerings? Well, let me be very clear. 
Remember we said there's five ways people give at this church. General fund, that's the tithe. Community care offering, that's the alms. The mission fund, the special projects fund, and the building fund are what we call offerings. And at times, people, God's blessed them. They want to take that next step. They want to go above and beyond. And, and guess what? They say, look, Jen Rousel, our next-gen pastor, has a new special project offering called Next Gen Vision. And, and right now, they're changing the, all the downstairs here in the lower level of this children's ministry. They're painting it. If you haven't seen it yet, can you go down and take a look at it? Guess what? That paint is happening because people gave an offering to that special project. Or someone else says, you know what, I really want to support the Susies. God's blessed me. I'm going to give my tithe, but now I'm going, to, I'm going to give something to the Susies so that we can really support them as they do their work in Rwanda and now are going to be going to Latin America and giving direction there. Or someone else says, you know what, I really think that God's going to call us to continue to expand our campuses, maybe have another campus when we continue to multi-site, and we also need to develop this. I want to give something to the building fund so that we can continue to upgrade and improve our property. Wow. Those are offerings. So, so if you're with me, everybody, what are the three ways that we can give according to, to, to the Bible teaching on giving? We can give a tithe, we can give a alms, and we can give offerings. Okay? Tithe, alms, and offerings. Now, now when you're setting aside... Let's go back to what Paul taught here. He says, at the first of each week, set something aside. And when he also says, decide in your heart how much to give. And now you're mindful of the biblical framework. What do you do? Well, let me just finish with saying a few things. And I'm mindful of the fact that we have a whole spectrum of giving right here in front of us right now. Remember this. Something is generous. Something is generous. So that means that if you've never, ever started giving to God's work in the church and to ministries, do something. Pull out the toonies tonight out of your pocket and give that. Decide that you're just going to say, well, I don't know how I can afford this, but I'm going to do something. Something is generous. Okay? We live in a culture today where... The average charitable giving in Canada, the people that you rub shoulders with, I rub shoulders with, your neighbors, give somewhere between $250 to $350 a year. I want to be very clear about this. If that was the average gift of all the people who gave to this church, we would simply have to shut down. We would have to stop, shut the buildings down. We couldn't pay for the lights, couldn't pay for the salaries, couldn't pay for any of the ministries, couldn't pay for children's ministries, certainly couldn't pay for that lovely pineapple back there. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't pay for all the instruments. Couldn't pay for the insurance. Couldn't pay for our midweek children's program. Couldn't pay for the Mother's Day event that we have. Couldn't pay for the baptismal tanks in which we dunk people. Couldn't pay for anything. Certainly couldn't support the Susies. Certainly couldn't be dreaming about going to the bank fay. Couldn't do it. If, but, but now stop and think about this. We right now, and I'm very aware of this, that as a church, we are asking everyone who comes into this community of faith to do something completely countercultural because the average giving is only $250 to $350 a year. Do you know that a lot of Christians who tithe get audited 
You know why? Because who gives that type of money to a church? I've been audited. Because who gives that type of money to a church? That's crazy. Um, Here's another thing I want you to remember. Practice being proportionate and consistent. You know, if anything, the tithe shows. You may say, I don't even know, Dave, how I can even get to the tithe. I want to talk about that in a second. But listen, at least it shows the importance of being proportionate in our giving. If, 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 if you go, I don't know if I can do a tithe, well, at least then decide, okay, I'm going to proportionally give 2%. I'm going to proportionally give 4%. I'm going to proportionally give 6%. Be proportionate. And the other thing that the scripture here teaches, be consistent. You know, you've heard our financial team leader, Neil Rogers, I think he attends the Brentwood campus. He says, when I first came here, I treated church like a movie theater. When I showed up, I went, yeah, that was pretty good, 20 bucks. You know, $5 per participant. And then all of a sudden, but when he didn't show up, well, I didn't have to give. I didn't take in the show. You need to practice consistency. Here's the other thing I want you to remember. Where does the church fit in? And I want to listen very carefully when I say this. And listen very carefully, Brentwood Campus, as I say this. If you notice here in the teaching on giving, it says give your tithe back to God's house, God's church. Bring it into the house. That's the church. That's the temple. Okay? And for us today, that's, that would be in our context, the Journey Church. And if you notice that in the teaching, the priority is on the church first. Perhaps right now, and let me say this as, as carefully as I can, perhaps right now you're giving to the poor. Perhaps right now you're sponsoring three kids. That's wonderful. No, that's unbelievable. Maybe you're sponsoring one child because you got all excited about this is a bang faith thing. That's wonderful. God bless you. Perhaps right now you're so excited about what Jen Rousel's doing with the Next Generation Ministries that you're, you're, you're giving each week to the Next Gen Vision Fund. That's wonderful. But you're giving nothing to the church ministries as a whole. That's a growth point. Because the Bible makes it very clear that the church as a whole is the bedrock of everything else. If the church ministries aren't supported then our ability to do all these other special projects that are very valid crumble. Don't ever forget this. Paul said that Christ purchased the church with his own blood. Why aren't we giving to the church? Here's the last thing I want to say as you think about giving. Budgets, debts, and giving. You know, on the news the other day, I heard this. And as you drive home and look at all your neighbors, here's a a, a statistical fact about Canadians. Three out of five households that you drive by, if they had a $5,000 problem tomorrow, i.e. a tree fell through the roof, i.e. their car completely broke down, and they had a $5,000 problem, three out of five households in Canada do not have the margin in their credit to be able to deal with that problem. They are $5,000 away from pain, deep financial crisis. So, so there's a lot of debt in this country, and, and, and that there's a lot of debt, and there's a lot of debt 
people, there's a lot of people in debt who come into a church family and they're in debt and they're in pain and they don't know what to do with it. And that brings me to this statement that until you start to address your debt problem and I address my debt problems, you do not have the margin to be generous. You need to deal with your debt, which leads me to my second statement. You need to address the issue of a spending plan. You need to learn how to plan to spend your money, which means simply this. It means that we have to learn how to live more simply. We have to stop keeping up with the Joneses. We have to make choices to say, if this is my income, I will live below my income. So I create margin. I need to learn how to trust God and live more simply and enjoy and be content with less. Can I just give a suggestion? On a little, I, I see some youth here and our uh, next generation people here. Here's a lesson. If you can learn this now, oh my goodness, learn it now. Get some financial teaching in your life. It's called 80-10-10. Live on 80, save 10, give 10. 80-10-10. 80%, 10%, 10%. Great rule to live by. Now, this fall, I'm already going to make it a claim. And for those of you who are watching this over Brentwood campus and here tonight and also tomorrow morning, I'm going to be saying that our finance team is going to be offering a financial budgeting uh, ministry in the fall. They're going to offer a course again like Financial Peace University or something similar to it so that people can learn how to plan their spending so they can begin to deal with their debt so they can learn how to be generous. It is irresponsible for me just to say give when you're saying, Dave, I can't even make my credit card payments this month. Or Dave, I'm so in debt, 10%, Dave, I can't do it. And so you walk away feeling maybe a little guilty or you just block me out and say, I can't do it, so I'm, I'm stuck. Now here's the thing. You've got to start taking steps to paying off your debt, come up with a spending plan, but can I recommend one thing? I know what goes through a lot of people's minds when we're struggling with all this. We go, well, Lord, when I get debt-free or when we start to have some more income, then I'll start being generous again. I'll start practicing giving. Can I recommend start practicing giving now? No one is too poor to give and no one is too rich to receive. No one is too poor to give. That is such an important practice to start now. And I would encourage youth, if you get summer jobs, Practice generosity. Practice, get that into your habit now. Start practicing. If you're making some income, practice that giving. Now, now, that leads me just to the final thing, and that is the tithing step. Um, will you take a step towards tithing in God's church? In this series of Love, Give, Grow, on June 1st and 2nd, we're having a tithing challenge, and I'm going to commit as a pastor to you, that every year we're going to have a tithing challenge. I'm going to raise this bar, and I'm going to say, let's go for it. And I recognize that so many people don't tithe, or they struggle how to get there. I refuse to say, but the Bible teaches us this is a legitimate place to go of generosity. So we're setting aside June 1st and 2nd. So here's, listen carefully, though, what, how I want you to handle this tithing challenge. For some of you, this is your next step in giving. You've been tithing at 6% or 7% or 4%, and you just got to trust God and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take that step. And you're going to use June 1st and 2nd as that beginning point. And for some of you, you're going to recognize that, okay, I can't tithe, but at least I'm going to do something proportionate for the first time. I'm going to stop doing the loose change offering out of my pocket giving. I'm going to actually do something proportionate. 
For others of you, you're going to hear the need to start giving consistently. And for others of you, you're going to say, you know what? I'm already tithing, but now I'm going to do something more around the alms. I'm going to do something more around the offerings. I'm going to do something that shows generous love so the mission of this church goes forward. Um, Now, I need to answer this question. Why do I talk about tithing? Because I I really believe tithing is going to do this for us. It's going to help us sort out our priorities. When you tithe, you've really got to decide that, that things and stuff doesn't matter as much because you're going to have to let go of some of that stuff. I practice tithing, and there's things that I don't have because I practice tithing. It's as simple as that. And I've realized it's helped me to sort out my priorities. But guess what? Not having that thing doesn't make Dave a bad Dave. Tithing also teaches us to discipline. You cannot get anywhere on that road of tithing, even as you start down that road, unless you decide and make decisions. It means you're going to have to talk. If you're married, you're going to have to talk as a couple. If you're a young person, you're going to have to make a decision to say, does this matter? Is this what God's calling me to do? Can I also say, though, and I, and I think of seeing young children here tonight, and I want to speak to the parents and grandparents. If you tithe, you are setting a fine example to your children and grandchildren. Because you're saying to them, this church that Jesus died for matters to me, and I'm proving it with my giving. And by the way, letting your children know what you give is a good example. They kind of figured out what you spent on the car and on the pool and on the trips and on your clothes. They need to know what you're giving to your church. What an example to your kids and to your grandchildren. And finally, tithing is about legacy. Money should be a reflection of what we value and where we give it and how we create a tomorrow uh, with hope and with possibilities. Let me take you back to Jesus' statement. When they ask for your shirt... Give your cloak as well. Crazy, isn't it? Was Jesus crazy? No, he was showing us what the gospel way of giving was all about. So just let me ask you, what is your next step in giving? Where where is God challenging you? You know, as we consider this call of generosity, I want us to watch this video. And we're going to let this video just lead the the worship team can come up right now as we get ready to play it. But as, as we watch this video, it's something that I played a few years ago. I like it. I think it's a great metaphor about giving, and it shows the impact when God's people give, the difference it makes. So we'll watch it, and then the worship team will just lead us in our time of giving, and the room managers will take up our offering. 